wonder if you are a fan of jelly babies. The sugary sweet in the shape of babies with different colours and flavours. Now, I had Katie give some packets out. So if you want, this is now is the time for you to take one and share them around, everybody. Hopefully everyone will get one. Just pass them around, you don't need to. I'm going to regret this, I think. But never mind. I'll just give you a little break, you know. I wonder what your favourite colour is. Let's have a little poll while we're waiting. Here's some, some pictures, a colour of the, the babies. Here they are. So is your favourite colour orange? Anyone with their favourite colour orange? Oh, we've only got one. I really like it. Oh, two. What about red? Red. What about the purpley black ones? Oh, we've got a few of those. What about the pink ones, the raspberry ones? One or two. Yellow, anybody yellow? What about the green ones? Ah, some of you. Those who did pop your hands, do you just not like them or do you like them all? Like them all? <laughs> we've got a few that like them all. I'm hoping everybody's got one now. Have you? That'll keep you going for the next few minutes. I just found out that Jelly Babies were launched in 1918 to celebrate the end of the First World War. They were originally called Peace Babies and quickly became popular. During the Second World War, the production ceased because of a shortage of ingredients, but then they were reborn in 1953 and called Jelly Babies. Now, in, the, in 1989, each of these six babies were, were given a, a name and an identity. Who even knew that? So, the orange one, if you've eaten the orange one this morning, that's called, he's called Bumper. And he wears a bum bag. You can't look at it now if you've eaten it. And he bumps into things, apparently. Big Heart is the purpley black one, um, which is a nice name. And he always puts his friends first. Bubbles has a hair and a ponytail and is yellow. Boofles is the green one. And if you see, you might have noticed, he's got his hand up to his eye like that. And he is soft-hearted and he cries a lot, even when he's happy, though, so it's all right. Um, baby, baby Bonnie is the pink one who wears a nappy and a frilly bonnet. And she's always crawling into mischief. And Brilliant is Red, the leader of the gang. Who knew? Did you know? I did not know, neither. Now, the reason that they were first called peace, peace babies was because being a baby, because they were being made babies, they were marked a new beginning. Babies mark a new beginning, don't they? The new, new life. And the jelly texture and the sweet taste of them symbolized that life was returning to normal and could be fun again, could be enjoyed. It's also the idea of peace being enjoyed when people of different ages and interests and appearances live together in harmony. Wouldn't a bag of jelly babies be dull if all the sweets were one color and one flavor? There's a sense in which we can all be peace babies, I guess. Working for peace doesn't mean being soft like the jelly baby. It calls for a strong commitment to friendship, 
Fairness, being ready to share and celebrate the good things of life together at its most basic. In other words, being peacemakers. But of course, we know that peace is very elusive in our church, in our relationships, in our culture, and in the world today. We only have to look at the news. The lack of peace can be traced all the way back to the book of Genesis, ever since Adam and Eve sinned and, they, and then beginning the conflict between Cain and Abel, which eventually led to one brother killing another. We have been in this bombastic battle with our brothers and sisters up until now. And it's noted that for the past 3,400 years, humans have entire, been entirely at peace for just only 268 of them. That's just 8% of recorded history. In the midst of this continuous conflict and incessant strife, Jesus speaks some stunning words in this Sermon on the Mount, particular for today, and when he, when he says at one of these points in the Beatitudes that Hazel read earlier, that we're going to pick up from today, that verse that says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. The message paraphrase puts it this way, You are blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. Jesus is not listing some optional ideas or preaching a sermon with some suggestions we might want to consider. Jesus said this into a world that is ugly with violence and hate. Jesus sends us as peacemakers we aren't given the choice of whether or not we would like to be peacemakers, and we certainly aren't given the choice of what kind of world we would want to live in. As bad as things may be, this is the world that we live in, and we, and we are going to have, if we want to be true to the Lord, we, we need to be these peacemakers. But what did he mean by peacemakers? Well, first, let's see what he doesn't mean. Dispel the misconceptions of peacemakers. Peacemaking is not the absence of conflict. Peace in the Bible is never confused with pacifism. Peacemaker is not uh, the avoidance of strife. Never we are, are we instructed to run from conflict, putting our head in the sand, hoping that the conflict will end, only de delays the inevitable. Peacemaking is not the appeasement of parties. The peace at any price mentality is far from the biblical command. You can never make everyone happy all the time. We all know that. Peacemaking is not the accommodation of issues. Glossing over problems, acting as if everything is all right, is not peacemaking. So what did Jesus mean by peacemaker? Well, a working definition of a peacemaker is someone who is actively seeking to reconcile people to God and to one another. So let's look closely at this word peacemaker. Easily, we can see that this is known as a compound word. It comprised, it's comprised of two very common words, peace and maker. The word peace is the Hebrew word shalom, often used as a greeting word or a departing word in much the same as we would utter hello or goodbye. But it is broad, a broad term related to health, prosperity, harmony, and wholeness. It means perfect welfare, serenity, fulfillment, freedom from trouble, and liberation from anything which hinders contentment. When a, a Jew says shalom, 
they were wishing another the full presence and peace and prosperity of all the blessedness of God. That beautiful benediction, blessing in Numbers, tw- Numbers 6 that God gave to Moses, who gave to the Israelites, brings out this very idea so very clearly when he says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. The word makes the the term peacemaker come from the Greek verb that means to go, to do, or to make, sorry. And it's a word bursting with energy. It mandates action and initiative. Someone has to drag the opponent to the table and give them a reason to put down their arms. Notice Jesus did not say, blessed are the peace wishers, or the peace hopers, or the peace dreamers, or the peace lovers, or the peace talkers. Peace must be made. Peace never happens by chance. So a peacemaker is never passive. They always take the initiative. They are up and doing. So when these two words are taken together, peace and maker, it describes someone who is actively pursuing peace. The peacemaker pursues more than the absence of conflict. They don't avoid strife. In fact, sometimes peacemakers will create strife. They aren't merely seeking to appease the warring parties. They aren't trying to accommodate everyone. Instead, they're pursuing all the beauty and blessedness of God upon another. As William Barclay translates this verse, they are people who produce the right relationships in every sphere of life. Peace must be pursued until we have it and then guarded so we don't lose it. Peacemaking is a divine divine work. God is the author of peace, and Jesus is the supreme peacemaker. Jesus came to establish peace. His message explained peace. His death purchased peace, and his resurrection presence enables peace. The messianic predictions that he would be the prince of peace. The angels announced in his birth by singing glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to his people. Jesus' persistent word of absolution to sinners was, go in peace. Just before he was crucified, Jesus' last will and testament was, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. When the Lord returned after the resurrection, his first words to the disciples was, shalom, peace to you. The life of Jesus was saturated with his mission to bring the peace of God and to initiate the healing relationship of people with God. Jesus saw the gravity of our problem and he refused to sweep it under the rug or stick stick his head in the sand. Only a drastic solution was survived, so he made peace by shedding his blood on the cross. So Christ is our supreme example of bringing peace in our hearts in our relationships, in our church, our nation, and in our world. But of course, peacemaking is messy work. It takes time and a lot of emotional energy, doesn't it? The journey is needed, though. The work is risky. Sometimes you fall and get bruised. Sometimes it doesn't work. In Paul's letter to Romans, he exhorted, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. We are to live at peace with everyone, it says. That is a pretty clear command. 
But Paul adds that important phrase, if it is possible. Sometimes peace isn't possible, as we've seen. But let's focus on that phrase, as far as it depends on you. The hallmark of a Christian is the ability to get along with other people. The testimony of the church is its ability to get along with other people. We have a God-given, scripturally directed responsibility to pursue peace. Paul declared, God has called you to peace. Does that mean that we agree with everything others say or do? No. Sometimes we agree to disagree, but agreeably. God wants his children to be bridge builders. What can you and I do to be those bridge builders of peace? What steps, what methods can we employ to actively reconcile people to God and to one another? Well, firstly, we can talk to God. You know, I find it crucial to talk to the Lord about what I've done or what people have done to me before I talk to them. It gives me a perspective and a tenderness. The Lord helps me to see the deeper needs in the relationship and what has caused the problem. He also shows me my part and often my wrong words or behavior or attitude that is hindering the reconciliation. And then I surrender the conflict to the Lord. The next step is to take the first step. Jesus is really clear on his actions when he says later on in that sermon in Matthew 5, if you're offering your gift at the altar and and, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer offer your gift. You have to make the first move. Peacemakers take the initiative, even if it's not your fault, because Jesus says so. Conflict is never resolved accidentally. That first step may be a letter or a text or a phone call or a visit. Your peace of mind and your Christian witness depends on you taking the first step. Next, tell the person how you feel. When you take the first step and speak to the other person before you speak, remember the words of Solomon in Proverbs that says, a gentle answer turns away anger, but a harsh word stirs up wrath. Peacemaking is about reconciliation, not resolution. Reconciliation is more crucial than being right. And finally, that last step, stop talking about people who have hurt you to other people. Nothing disqualifies us in being peacemakers more than talking about people rather than talking to them. The old Spanish proverb says, whoever gossips to you will gossip of you. A peacemaker never says anything about another person that he or she has not said to that person directly. After that, why tell anyone else? And when we work towards peacemaking, we earn this recognition that far exceeds anything we can imagine. Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers because they will be called the children of God. This word called means to be officially designated as a holding a particular rank or office, like when a chairman is named or a captain is chosen or a spokesman is designated. It also means to become or owned. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be owned as the children of God. What Jesus is saying here is that peacemakers will be known and recognized uh, as what they really are, children of God. A peacemaker has that bestowed title of being a child of the Prince of Peace. 
The phrase children of God refers here to a, a family relationship in which we take on the name and become heirs to the father's future fortune and here resemble our parents' characteristics. You know, I'm often told that I am just like my mum. And when people say that to me, I always reply, well, next to Jesus, I couldn't be like a better person. In my view, it's one of um, the biggest compliments I can receive because I love my mum so much and I've always wanted to be as kind and considerate and gentle and wise and as giving as she is. And she's a little bit crazy too, is our wee genie, and that's all right. But likewise, when you practice or promote um, and promote peace, a, a watchful word will come, world will come to you and ask, are you the son of God? Are you the daughter, a daughter of God? Peacemakers bear a family resemblance and reflect something of the Heavenly Father's character. Do the people in your life recognize the family resemblance based on your efforts at peacemaking? Are you actively seeking to reconcile people to God and to one another? Are you recognized as assisting in God's activity in our world? When you make peace, your partner with God in you partner with God in, in spreading peace and you demonstrate to a watching world that you are a son and a daughter of the king. Today, war and peace is very much at the forefront of our minds because it's Remembrance Day, but also because we are currently surrounded by war. Statistics suggest that there are approximately 40 wars going on around the world at this moment. Our minds may be full of pain and horror of war, of individuals who we no longer see, of families torn apart, refugees pushed across the world, bodies changed forever, and relationships that have been damaged beyond repair. So what can we do in our everyday living amidst all of this war so that we can make and maintain peace? Well, Paul in his letter to the church at, the, at Philippi encourages us in chapter four to think on things that are true, are honorable, are just, are lovely and good. These word make, words make us change our perspective and listen to the different stories that emerge from the war. Words of, and actions that hold out hope. Stories where hundreds of people have been moved to offer skills, time and resources to build a future for those involved in recent conflicts. Stories of things that are pure and true can be heard in many different ways, told in many voices and show what it is to be an everyday peacemaker. Thankfully, all over the world, people are working to build and maintain peace through their work or as volunteers or just out of love. And it is through the ordinary acts of kindness, the daily choices that people make to help others, that the seeds of peace are sown, are made, are grown. These are the things that help us all to make and maintain peace in our world that the prophet Micah speaks of where swords become plowshares and spears become pruning hooks and people can sit in peace. Think on these things, Paul writes, adding that the God of peace will be with those who hold fast, who turn from darkness to light, grounding their lives in Jesus Christ in his instructions. Today we remember the loss and the pain, but we also remember the courage and the kindnesses, things that are true and pure and worthwhile and those who have gone before us to make peace. And as we remember all these things together, we find the courage to build the future, to pray 
and to be peacemakers who hold on to the light and hope. And so our prayer this morning that has been going through the thread of this meeting today has to be, make me a channel of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me bring your love. Where there is injury, your pardon, Lord. And where there's doubt, true faith in you. I wonder if you're dealing with a conflict at the moment and you need to take some of those steps to be a peacemaker. I wonder if you know of someone else who you need to be helping. I wonder if you just need some guidance in how to maintain that peace in the world around you. What can you do to be a peacemaker? Well, shall we sing this song together as our prayer to make me, make you, make all of us channels of his peace where there's hatred let me bring your love where there's injury your pardon Lord and where there's doubt true faith in you let's sing this beautiful prayer peacemaker in this world today. Let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, on this day of memory, we gather to sing and pray. We remember the past and look to the future. On this day when the guns once fell silent, we come before you, God, seeking your peace. 
on this day of hope in the face of terror. We come before you, God, praying with all our hearts. God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. Help us to find the path that leads to the peaceable kingdom. Open our eyes and our ears of the nation to find a different path through the disagreements of life in this world. In this time of worship, may we be recommitted to being people of peace, true peace. May we catch a vision of how the world could live together. And also, we echo the old prayers, make me a channel of your peace. Let there be peace on earth and let it begin with us. So may it be, Lord. Amen.